Hello and welcome to episode three of Only Foals and Racehorses. I'm Ria from Adventures in Black and White. I hope you're enjoying the series so far and I hope you enjoy today's episode. So in my last episode I talked about how I um, started my preparation for getting into racing and um, the last part of the racing school's guidance was they helped us find a trainer that we could work for. The idea was that you'd work for them for the rest of the summer and um, then go back to university. My uh, plan was I was actually going abroad for the second part of my summer so I ended up only spending six weeks with my trainer to begin with but um, I was quite keen that I went to a trainer that was close to university so that I was back at uni then I could keep riding out and obviously that'd be a lot easier than working in a pub. So they fitted me up with Huey Morrison who at that stage was quite a small trainer still. He'd been held his license for about four years. Um, He'd previously been assistant trainer to Paul Cole and um, it was a nice small yard close to Oxford so it suited me down to the ground so they gave me his phone number and then it was up to me to be big and brave and ask him for a job. Obviously he was expecting my call so um, that was a bit easier and it was quite funny because they'd obviously discuss with us the protocol of how you approach a trainer and those days as most trainers were you you know you were expected to call them sir and, and this that and the other but Huey right from the start was like no 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 call me Huey and that really really put me in a good sort of frame that he was a good guy and um, it's funny what I do remember I remember when we discussed money which we were told we should that he said the wages were 150 pounds a week and I thought that was amazing like to me as someone who literally sat on a racehorse for the first time two weeks previously to be told someone's going to pay me 150 pounds a week plus my accommodation was provided and I would have some food provided they provided breakfast and yeah I was like wow like I've I couldn't even imagine earning that much money so it was all looking good so we finished the course and then as per usual my my lovely mother picked me up and we drove down from Newmarket to um just outside Newbury where Hugh Morrison's based at Ilsley, East Ilsley. Turning up at um, Summer Down was a little bit like turning up at racing school, but in some ways, my mother said when she left me that she she really didn't want to leave me there. So we turned up on a, I think it must have been a Sunday afternoon, and and there was very few people around as there are on yards at weekends. This guy met me and introduced himself. Um, he was like the hostel manager and the yard man, and uh, he showed me my room which was very basic. It literally had a bed and it had a um, chest of drawers in it and nothing else. And um, because at that stage, I didn't I didn't know what to take and most of my stuff, I think, was at home, must have been at home. I didn't even have a TV, but there was obviously downstairs, there was like a big sitting room with a TV and there was a massive kitchen, dining room. Um, and I wasn't going to be there for a long time, so I only took the clothes that I had. But it was a rather sad, sorry sight. And I was quite glad that the doors had locks on because I'd never shared with that many people before and they were predominantly male. And yeah, it it looked very much like a hostel. But 
that was fine. And actually, it was a really, really nice hostel to live in. And I've lived in some absolute dustholes. But as my first experience of going to racing, <coughs> I think my mother was more worried about what was going to happen to me than I was. I saw it as a big adventure. So um, he showed me around and then said, you know, let meet me down here in the morning and I'll show you where you've got to go um, to start off. So that was that. I then, I can't even remember what I did that night. I think I just hid in my room. I didn't have a car. I didn't have any way of getting out. Um, ironically enough, at that point in East Ilsley, there was three pubs, but I think I was just like poor and just sat in my room and thought, what have I done here? So my first morning at um, Huey Morrison's, um, I went on the yard, I was introduced to the head lad and he got me some tack together and a grooming kit and explained the board and then showed me where my first horse was. And um, so I had three lots in the first day. And again, this is another thing that I, I remember so vividly, my first ever day racing in the racing yard. Um, so my first lot was a horse called Shenley Charm. He was a two-year-old colt, and I'd never ridden a colt before. I'd never ridden anything with balls. So that was, I was a bit surprised um, as a girl because, you know, they told us at racing school that girls don't ride colts and ride a ride a because at that stage there wasn't that many girls in racing. Um, at Huey, I think there must have been, when I started, I don't know, 10 members of staff, maybe a few extra part-timers, and um, there was only one other girl and one part-time girl that were there. Um, and that was that. Obviously, racing's changed a lot since I started because now it's predominantly girls. But yeah, so I was surprised and I had this colt and the first thing he did when I walked in the box was he bit me and that was that. And that was me learning that, yeah, no, you don't, you, you have to go in expecting the unexpected and, and he was a colt and that's what he did. But that was fine. I tacked him up. I was very slow. But I just wanted to make sure everything was right because I didn't want my tack to slip or for me to fall off. I didn't need to worry because actually he was probably the best ride of the day. So um, I pulled out with the other guys and walked round and the trainer legged me on. He'd introduced himself already and asked me if I was OK. And then he uh, told me what work he wanted me to do. And again, this is like a foreign language. It was something that we hadn't covered because they don't really... They don't speak in a language that anyone else ever has used. So he said, oh, I want you to do an easy from the three. Oh, I had no idea what easy from the three meant. So he then said, oh, follow so-and-so. And um, I just made sure that I kept my eyes on, on that lad and that I did not miss where he was because I didn't want to mess this up. So we'd walk around like you do. And then we went up the gallop. Um, he has his own gallops, but he also uses Peter Cundall's gallops as well. And um, but it's nice having a private gallop because you don't have to sort of jockey for position. And certainly I know in Newmarket, it can be quite political who gets on the gallop first and who gets right of way. So uh, the first time up, they just lobbed up to the top, which I thought felt like we were going so fast. But my horse wasn't pulling. So I thought, oh, this is OK. And then I just found where my lad was that I had to follow to go up the second time, which was when I was doing my easy from the three and uh, found him and, and followed him down. And, and then uh, that was, yeah, we're walking down and they, the first lot, they all ran up with quite long stirrups. And then I noticed as we walked back down, we come off the gallop onto the bridleway 
and everyone started putting their stirrups up so I thought I'd oh, better get mine up and thankfully they went up pretty quick because then you turned off the bridleway back onto the gallop and then you set off so uh, you had to be ready that was good I just followed him and and the horse was really good and I really liked him Shenley Charmer's horse I rode quite a lot and he was actually a, a prospect for the guineas which was really nice that they let me ride him so the guineas was obviously the big three-year-old race the next year um so he was my first lot and then we had went straight on to second lot and second lot um i was introduced to the lad looked after that looked after this horse who was called alan and alan looked after fletcher and fletcher was vicious and i'd never really come across horses that vicious ever before um he wore a muzzle so he looked like Hannibal Lecter and he had a massive massive box and Alan said oh I'll help you with him he said you know just because he's got the muzzle on doesn't mean that he can't hurt you and he'd also kick so you didn't want to go behind him either yeah I was I was quite frightened of Fletcher but um the lads all said I oh, was a, a good ride and he was the ride that they used for the uh, amateurs to get their experience of racing on because he was such a kind horse to ride but um, Al himself, who looked after Fletcher, had uh, faced the wrath of Fletcher and he had a massive scar on his chest where Fletcher picked him up by his chest and shook him like a rag doll and removed so much of his skin that he had to have skin grafts. So he said, it doesn't matter how kind Fletcher looks like he's being that day, never, never trust him. So we uh, tacked him up, which was interesting and then got on and um yeah he was he was sweet but he he was a big horse and the first time up he was grand and then the second time up well he just turned into a different horse and he bolted with me well didn't bolt but he ran away with me and I ended up overtaking a couple of people and I was thinking oh god this is my first day they're gonna think that I'm rubbish because I just couldn't stop him but he stopped at the top. Mucky was at the end of the gallop and he stopped there. And he stopped in good time that I didn't fall off him or anything. But I was just, I was so shocked. And I was just so upset that I'd done that. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, boss. And he was just laughing. And he said, oh, no, no, no. I'll put you on him because he's running soon. And he needed a good blow. And as it turned out, Fletcher was that sort of horse that if you couldn't hold a horse properly, he loved it. And he'd just run off with you, which was why he was such a good ride for apprentice jockeys or amateur jockeys because he'd basically run away with them and win his races which made him happy so he the lad said when I came back oh you'll know when you're a decent rider which will be the day when Fletch won't pick the bridle up with you um, at that point they all stopped for breakfast um, and someone had gone in um, who wasn't riding and everyone was given tea and coffee and I'm sure there was like toast and you could have whatever you wanted and yeah so we had breakfast and then we came back out and we had our third lot and my third lot was a horse called Miami Explorer um who I remember again vividly because she was quite a sweet little filly and I was like oh this is what I thought I'd be riding she was again a two-year-old I think she yeah she was a two-year-old and I used to set off on her and but she was a head shaker so my first lot bit me my second lot run off with me and my third lot nutted me in the face as we went up the gallops because she didn't like the kickback from the wood chip. So I was having a great first day.
But as it turns out, I thought, you know, it was it was a good, good job and I quite enjoyed it and everyone was very friendly and um yeah, everything sort of went along and I have my three horses that I'd look after in the evening. So you just came in and you groomed your horses and you know, skipped them out and then the boss would come round if he wasn't racing and look at them and pretty much like when I was at Kamani's but a, quite a bit more laid back and in general the whole yard was just more laid back and I, I really enjoyed the job because there was no mucking out apart from at the weekends and you just skipped out and everything sort of just ran along smoothly and it was a really nice little setup with some nice people. So my first day was a, a baptism fire um, but things went on okay. I um, settled into the routine pretty well and started to get to know people's names because to begin with I just looked at people and had no idea who they were. And as it fell that first weekend I was working um, and I was working with uh, Neil, who was the yard manager, who was the guy that showed me around. Andy, who's the travelling head lad, who was really, really nice. And Roy. And yeah, that was it. There was just the four of us. So um, my first weekend on, um, I came in on the Saturday afternoon and I they said, right, the yard was split into like four quarters and like you do the horses in your quarter and then we feed round at the end and um, the first horse I went into I tied him up and I went out the box to come back out and I walked back in and he double barreled me in my thighs one foot on each thigh I thought I broke my legs it was the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life and as I stood there I was thinking I can't cry I can't cry. I can't be weak. Like there was, there was a bit of jibing about being a girl and this, that, and the other, and being soft. And I was like, oh god, I seriously thought he broke my legs. And I stood there for a bit, and then I was like, oh, I've still got another four horses, five horses to do. So I was like, oh, I must get these done. And so I got him skipped out. I topped his water up. I put his hay in, and then I did my other horses. And I could barely walk. And um, we finished and um, I was a bit behind the others and they were sort of looking at me like, oh, you know, she's slow, she's the newbie. And then Roy, the, the head lad, he was getting the feeds ready and he goes, are you OK? <laughs> at which point I was like, no, <laughs> this is what happened. And I said, pairing kicked me. And he looked at me and he said, pairing was the first horse you did. And I was like, I oh, know. And I was in agony at that point I was I was so close to crying that I didn't but anyway so he was like oh, are you okay and I limped round and then I went back into the hostel when we finished and um, I pulled down my trousers and I already had the biggest bruises you'd ever seen on my legs and I was just like I don't know how I'm going to cope so um, I, I sort of had a bath and then I had some dinner because um, Neil had taken me to the shops because um, we got paid every Friday. So when we got paid, he, he took me to the shops because he was shopping for the hostel anyway. So he said, oh, come with me because you don't have a car. And it was before the days of internet shopping. And so I went off with him and I'd done that anyway. And I had some, I, I on the, after we finished Neil's day, I went and had a bath and I lay there and I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be in so much pain. And then Roy came round and, and said, oh, do you want to go down the pub? And we're 
just for the evening, which was really nice. So we, we staggered down the pub and, and he was asking me about uni and it was really nice. And, and he says, oh, I hope you're OK. And I, I got shorts on and I, I showed him my legs. Um, you know, I was quite shy, but I thought oh, he needs to see them. And he was like, oh, oh, do you think you're going to be OK to work? And I was like, yeah, 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 because that's the one thing about horsey people is... We, we don't, we don't <laughs> stop unless, well, you're in hospital, basically. So, yeah. So that was that night. Went to bed, got up the next morning, could literally barely walk. And I was thinking, this is only my first weekend. I've only got six, well, five more weeks there because I was going off somewhere else. And I just thought, I can't, I can't be, like, bad. I can't be the weak one. Um, so I soldiered on, and, and Roy knew that I was in trouble. So he, I think I, I probably did have, like, Shenley Charm. I had easier rides, but I still had to ride three horses. And then I think probably that week, I went on the horse box to go and collect horses from somewhere or other, so I didn't have to ride all morning. And, yeah, it was... It was. It took me a couple of days, and I, somewhere I have the bru the photos of the bruises, um, because they were pretty spectacular. And as it turned out, Andy, the travelling head lad, had told me that when they broke pairing in when he was a yearling, he was an older horse at this point. He um actually broke Andy's ribs, doing exactly the same thing. So um maybe I was lucky that he got my legs that were a little bit stronger than my my ribs. So the characters on the yard, they were a mixed bunch. You had the the head lad, Roy, who was a really, really nice guy. He was a proper old-fashioned racing guy. So he he didn't really agree with girls, but I felt like in my time there, certainly at the beginning and, and all the way along until he left, he, he grew to sort of appreciate that we weren't all just troublemakers or distracted the boys or couldn't ride and I suppose at that time there's myself and the other girl Leah who was a full-timer and and we just got on with it you know we had to because you had to basically be a lad otherwise you, you weren't going to get anywhere but Roy was good and he was he taught me so much he'd come and ride upsides me and he'd like ask me what you know how the horse felt and he'd show me how to hold my reins better and how to use my body position better to hold the horses properly um, because racing school can obviously only teach you so much um, and he was really really good at like encouraging the boss to give me chances aside from Roy's head lad we had Jerry Gracie who was the assistant trainer and he was a funny he was a funny fish um right from the start like I didn't really get on with him very well but well it wasn't I didn't get on with him he just saw me as an inconvenience I think and he you know I was just a kid from racing school who went to uni and yeah he didn't and it's, I think he just didn't like anyone <laughs> that was the general consensus he certainly didn't like Roy he didn't like Andy and didn't like Neil he didn't like Alan so yeah he just didn't like anyone so it wasn't anything personal um, but he was the assistant trainer. And then you had uh, Neil, who was the yard man slash hotel, hostel, sorry, hostel manager, who also did things like drive for Huey and, and, and that sort of thing. He just did everything like the odd job man. And then we had Andy, who is the only one that's still there, who is the um, travelling head lad. And he again was another cracking rider absolutely amazing rider he 
taught me a lot as well. And then you had the other yard man was Al, who looked after Fletch, and he was a funny, funny bugger. He he used to like spending his holidays in Thailand, so make of that what you will. <laughs> when he left racing, he left racing after Fletch died, um, which was quite some time after I started at Morrison's. Fletch was quite an age when he died, um, but he went off and became a postman in the end, which was random. And then of the guys on... The yard. Oh, yeah, there was another lad, older lad, Paulie. Um, he'd been around a few places. He's actually quite into his heavy horses. And um, Paulie was another really nice lad that just looked after me and helped me out. And if I looked lost, he'd show me in a direction where I was meant to be going. And those are the old guys. And then, of course, you had the younger ones that are all my age or a little bit younger. So there was two Welsh lads, Jamie and Matt. Um, Matt also had a girlfriend called Jackie and they were all apprentice or amateur jockeys and Matt and Jamie worked on the yard and I'll come on to them in a bit. And then we also had a lad that come, he was another apprentice who you come and ride out a bit called Tugger and I don't even know what Tugger's actual real name was and he was called Tugger for very obvious reasons. And then of course we had Leah who was the only other token girl who was fairly new herself and that was that. Um, we had a couple of part-timers that would come in too, but it was a nice little yard actually. And, and yeah, it was, the horses were all so chilled out. It was amazing. It wasn't anything like what I expected. Well, Summerdown itself had got quite a lot of history. Um, before Huey had it, it was, um, it featured in the BBC TV series from the early 90s called Trainer. Um, which was quite funny because I'd watched that when it was when I was a kid. So to be there on this yard afterwards that appeared on TV was was um, re yeah really funny. Um, we were a little bit out of Lambourne, so we weren't really in that bubble. But we were also because the gallops attached on to Compton. There was a couple of trainers there, um, Peter Cundell, who ironically enough. He was one of the guys that had horses at uh, Whitney College. So um, I don't think, I think actually the, the horse I spoke about, Noah, um, Bishop's Finger, the first one I broke in, I'm pretty sure was one of his, but I have to check that out. And the other guy over that way was uh, Johnny Portman, who still trains over there today. So there was some other lads around um, and we'd meet up with them sometimes in the pub. But it was, yeah, basically we were on our own, which is actually really quite nice. So I have to come on to being the only girl or being one of the few girls in racing at that time and how we were treated pretty much by the older lads. It was like we were seen as a bit of an inconvenience, but tolerated. And the younger lads just saw us as something to try and sleep with. Um, which given that I was really quite shy and wasn't really at all into that sort of caper was a little bit intimidating but to be fair they all were fairly respectful but things that would go on and I'm sure this all goes on now was like uh, you'd be riding out and particularly this involved Fletcher quite a lot be riding out and they'd come upside you and uh, because of the way the gallop was um, you rode straight and then there was a sharp 
left hand bend as you went up the hill and often the horses would sort of set sail a little bit round the bend if you didn't have them because that's often where you'd start your run if you were working them so they knew where they were going to work what the lads would do is they'd come up behind me and if I was struggling a bit on something if I couldn't quite hold it they'd come up beside me and they wouldn't necessarily hit the horse they would sometimes just click the horse on at which point I would then lose all control and couldn't stop. So then I'd get a bollocking for going too fast. But it wasn't my fault. And uh, there was just no point in saying what they'd done because it didn't really get you anywhere. So I just sucked that one up and just learned to ride better. And uh, sometimes they would come up behind you and hit you on the bum with their whips. Um, that was a favourite. And... Um, something they used to do to each other but they thankfully never did to me so it wasn't like they just like did it to us because we were the girls because they do it to Leah as well but they'd do things like they'd take each other's bridles off going up the gallop if the boss wasn't about and yeah just general laddish sort of behavior but I suppose they were like 16 17 18 year old lads and they were just doing what lads do I have to say I knew And this happened before um, I went off to Ireland, as I said, before I had my break, Um, uh, right towards the end of um, the uh, six weeks. I've been riding Fletcher pretty much every day, apart from when he raced. And uh, things were getting easier and easier. And a couple of weeks, I think it was a week or so before I finished the first time, I was riding along and they came up behind me and we got to the bend and they clicked him on and he didn't move. He just didn't move at all. And I just felt like I had him. And I actually, I had a loop in my rein. I wasn't even holding him. I was cantering on loose rein. We were going up. I'd set him off. He knew what he was doing. And the lads came up besides me, which is enough in most racehorses to get him going. And then they started clicking him. And he just didn't bother. So they just sat on my girths, which, you know, that's, yeah, another thing. But he just didn't do anything. And then we got to the top. And they, they said to me, oh, well done you can ride now and that was that and uh, Fletch never took off with me ever again and um, he actually became quite a boring ride but that was quite nice because he was still flipping hard to tack up and you never knew what sort of Fletch you were going to get but um, oh I suppose some people would say it's harassment but it wasn't anywhere near as bad as what it could have been and certainly not as bad as things I've heard my friends gone through so you know it it was um Character building, I think, is the best best phrase. I think that's a good place to um, have a pause, and I think we need to have another episode so uh, before you get all too bored with my voice. So that was the introduction to Huey Morrison's, and in the next episode, I'm going to discuss what opportunities he did give me because he was he was an amazing trainer for the opportunity he gave me those first six weeks, and um, I worked for him on and off for the next four years because he treated me so well so um thanks for listening and um if you like what you hear subscribe and let me know on socials whether you like it so screenshot this episode and post it to your stories and tag me in and and let me know what you think and i'll see you next time